Go ahead, give Jesus a great hand clap all over the auditorium. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Welcome to the second to last night we have together. Of course, then tomorrow, noon and seven, we call it Breakthrough Friday. It's the last day. And so we set it as a day where everything you've been believing for, you put a date on it, and tomorrow's the day to receive it. Amen? I want to mention this before I get going. Uh, the Lord seemed to have me on the gifts of the Spirit almost the entire time I've been here, both in the morning and the night. And I told the crowd in the morning, and I'll tell you tonight, that this is a pack that I did with my Uncle Ted that you saw I played in that video when all the deaf people were healed. Where about half of it's uh, him, and then I, I chime in a little bit. It's eight sessions that we did together, and we did it uh, so that the things that God revealed to him, and you know, of course he traveled with Brother Shambach for about 25 years and received a lot of his revelation. So I didn't want that to be lost to my generation. So we have eight sessions on here. If you're interested in spiritual gifts and being used in spiritual gifts, that's in the back. And then this is the book that I wrote on uh, financial overflow, 10 Bible Principles to Unlock Heaven's Unending Supply. One of the principles is giving. And so some people, you know, I feel bad for a lot of the body of Christ because they're frustrated. They give all the time, but they've never seen their income level change because giving is essential to financial prosperity, but giving's only one piece. And then the Bible deals with a lot of other things that have to do with your thinking and then practical action. And so I wanted to put everything in one book that doesn't necessarily fit good for revival services. So uh, anyway, basically it's the 10 things that the Lord showed me out of his word that took Adalis and I from week to week living to uh, where we're at now, which is a good place. You know, to stand up in a city and say, everybody that needs groceries, be here tomorrow night, we'll have enough for everybody. That's financial overflow. Amen? And that's the pictures that I put. The picture on the back here is not me posing next to my brand new Cadillac. The picture is me on a stage reaching down and grabbing somebody by the hand that just came to Jesus Christ. Because that is the purpose of God giving you financial overflow. Prosper prosperity is not God meeting your needs. That's survival. Prosperity is God empowering you to meet the needs of your hurting world. And that's what God wants for every person. Can you say amen? Well, last night I played the video from Camden, New Jersey. And tonight I'm going to play the one from the week before that. These all took place right after I left uh, Wasilla last year. We were going into crusade season. I banged out seven of these in one year, seven crusades. It was wild. 21,000 some people uh, made public decisions for Christ just last year. Most of that was in the second half of the year. But this was one of the best ones as well. It was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It was such a good meeting that the mayor gave me the key to the city, the only the second one they'd given out in a hundred and some years, which, uh, I, judging from the way you look, you don't care. But for me, I, I never even got student of the month before, so I, w I was pretty excited. <laughs> and it actually touched me that that uh, in America, in modern-day America, they make it seem like on the news, like, and even in Bible college, they teach it's a post-Christian society and all that. Well, pretty interesting that a mayor would present uh, a key to the city and put that the reason is for faithfulness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, both in word and deed. That was last year in 2017. So obviously it was a great meeting, and you're going to see on there, there was like a monsoon rainstorm, and it was raining so hard, and it's an outdoor meeting that I was sure when I came to the meeting that there was going to be about, I mean, in faith, in faith, I believe there'd be about 40 people. With no faith, I thought nobody would be there. And I came in, there was just under 1,000 people standing in that rain to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And that renewed my faith anew and afresh that God's not finished with America yet. People are hungry and God has something for them. And so I want you to see what God did during that week in Louisiana and enjoy the devil getting his tail kicked for six straight nights. Go ahead and roll it whenever you're ready. How many of you believe God can shake Baton Rouge this week? But a thousand people standing on a field in this weather in the United States is proof enough to me that America is overripe for revival. Louisiana was definitely ripe for revival and they didn't mind getting dirty to get it. Hurricane Katrina and the historic flooding of 2016 left the people with a void. There's 200 churches that couldn't operate, 60,000 homes that were displaced people. I don't know if that humbled people, I'm not sure what it did, but some type of hunger developed. Good pastor. Opening guy. night of Festival of Life, Baton Any Rouge pastor with a shaved head, they're usually festival good. records with attendance and One with two pays, stay away from them. 960 accepted Who knows what Jesus else they're hiding. night number Amen. one. By Monday morning, the reports of miracles began to come in. My wife had a stroke uh, in October of 2013, and it left her paralyzed from uh, her right side, her right arm, her right leg, and it also left her with uh, difficulty speaking. Whatever your problem, whatever has gone wrong, there's nothing the devil has done to you or your family that God can't do something about it tonight. Father, let her testify of a miracle by Friday to show this world that you're alive and to give you glory. Glorify your name through this precious one. In Jesus' name. After four years of failed medical treatments, it was a simple prayer and some big faith that almost instantly restored the damage to Tamika's face caused by a stroke. I don't really have words for it. Tuesday night was one that, that will go down in history. A thousand people stood in the rain for three hours to hear the word of God. 489 came to Jesus under umbrellas. They learned that the blood of Jesus washed away all their stains, so they weren't afraid of getting dirty waiting for their miracle. The Bible says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. This lady in her medical scrubs. I was supposed to go to court today for my divorce. I've been trying to get a divorce for three years. My husband does not want a divorce at all. I was supposed to go to court today. But you're never going to struggle to live for the Lord anymore? When your girlfriends after work invite you to go somewhere and you know not to go, it'll be the easiest thing in the world to not go. I realized I wasn't totally giving it to him. I was just taking it on myself, which is why I felt like I was drowning. I'm going to give up on my husband tonight. I'm not gonna give up on it. I just feel relieved. I just feel like burdens have been lifted. I just feel so light, you know? And I just feel so, I, I gave it all to him. I just feel so light and relieved. I just, I just feel happy and just wanna be, wanna give him all the praise and all the glory. Wednesday night, the rain backed off to a sprinkle and the momentum continued. Over 1,200 people registered and 380 came to the Lord. When Jesus comes, there's no room for anger, sickness, or disease. Today I have asked for prayer, for anger, and when Pastor touched me in my heart, 
I feel is gone. And I was touched. And when my heart, I had open heart surgery, and when he touched me, everything. And he said, even my eyes, my eyes is clear. I, I feel, oh yeah, I feel healed. The Bible says the town brought unto him all of their sick. And no matter what their sickness, or what their disease, or if they were possessed by evil spirits, one touch healed them all. Thursday night was another prayer line, but this time each and every person was anointed with oil. This is what a thousand fed up and spiritually hungry people look like. I've never done this before, cried and stuff, and I know it was God. Sonia Cochran got filled with the Holy Spirit, and when she did... Yeah, some kind of liver disease, because I used to drink a lot back in the day. If you don't speak Louisiana, God healed her liver. what God had done to change lives, starting with Lakeisha Dorsey, whose prayer for her incarcerated son was answered on Tuesday night in the prayer line. When he put his hands on me, he just said, he coming home, he coming home. He coming home. So, Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock, I got a phone call saying my son will be home July 8th. I can go drive there and pick my child up with no record at all. God is awesome. He's very awesome. When Lakeisha shared what happened with her son, he promised to live his life right and head straight to church. He told me, say, Mama, have my best suit ready because when I get home, I'm going. Next was little Hallie, who suffered from constant pain that doctors wanted to diagnose as inflammatory bowel disease but this 12-year-old wasn't having it. She headed to the altar by herself. He laid hands on me and he did it once and then he came back and I fell out in the mud. I felt light as a feather. Yesterday we went for a follow-up at the doctor and he said that he doesn't have enough information and enough results to diagnose me with something. I think that I won't have any more pains and that I'll be fine. And How are you going to live in Louisiana with inflammatory bowel disease? They put seasoning on their just Cheerios. The people who attended the festival who got a touch from God. John Smith volunteered all week. He was dealing with a lawsuit when Jonathan Shuttlesworth prayed over the volunteers. Jonathan said that someone had money unjustly tied up and it was about to be released. And I got in the truck and I was thanking God. And I said, I'm gonna hear from my attorney today. It was exactly 2.47. I walked outside, my phone rang. My attorney called and said that they wanna meet us Friday to make a settlement. I know God. And when I believed that that was gonna happen, I was expecting the phone to ring. And when it did, it just was an overflow. As if that isn't enough, John is now believing for the salvation of the man who he says did him wrong. Really, he don't even believe in God, but I believe God's going to save him and turn him around. One of the most critical parts of Festival of Life is making sure that every single person is connected with a church family. Festival of Life gives each person who makes a decision for Christ a Bible. Inside is a list of local churches which volunteered. Then the church gets the registration list. 
Um, that's very important because that information is what we give to the local churches that we're partnering with. And then they in turn, you know, call them and get them plugged into the church where they can be discipled. This best week of my life. It's the most amazing feeling in the world. There's nothing better than being part of the move of God. If the move of God in Baton Rouge motivated you to get involved, go to festivaloflife.us. That's it for Festival of Life Baton Rouge. I'm Stephanie Esposito. See you in Camden. Can you say praise the Lord? I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's pretty great about that. I was just in, in Georgia before I came here, and a lady from Georgia came to help out at the crusade. And it was, uh, I think that was the first crusade I did where I started doing a Friday morning workers meeting. Because the workers work the whole time, so they don't ever get to receive anything from the service. Even when you're praying for everybody, they're catching or processing the salvation cards. So I decided to do a Friday morning just for the people that work to bless them. And so that one guy gave a word that he had money tied up. I just told him how you can't do work for the Lord. I mean, think about it. The Bible tells secular business owners that the cry of the laborers has gone up to me because their wages have been withheld. And God's not a hypocrite. He's not going to rebuke people for not paying their workers. And then you go work and labor in his field and him not pay you. Jesus said the harvesters are paid good wages. Everybody say paid good wages. That's a fact. You cannot, you can go to church and never get anything. But if you labor in God's field and bring souls to eternal life, God pays you. So I told that guy he had money tied up. And you heard he went to the truck and the money got released. Then there was another lady. I said, do you think that God's going to allow you to work all week to bring other people's kids to the Lord and then let your kids go to hell? And she lifted her hands and cried. And when I went to her church in Georgia, she introduced me to her son and his wife. He, he was unsaved, wouldn't come to church. And then his wife was unsaved, and the Lord worked it in reverse. The wife got saved, started asking him to come, and he came and got saved, and they got baptized the week after I left. So she labored for a week to win other people's kids to the Lord, and then she got it for herself. I'm going to tell you something. The principle of sowing and reaping works in every area of life. Whatever you'd like to happen for you, make it happen for other people. Can you say amen? If you have a child that needs saved, start, start going to work, winning other people's kids to the Lord, and do it in faith. That as you're sowing that into other people's children, there'll be a harvest that comes back into your children. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands in your seats? Father, as I thank you this morning, and I'll probably do it till I come up to see you in heaven, I thank you that you beat back the tide of wickedness in the United States of America and have opened up to us this window of opportunity to see this nation shaken by the power of God. Father, we don't see it as an accident that during this window is when you're opening up these crusades for us, the television station for us, the new building for King's Chapel. We see that you're accelerating the work of God in the United States. Thank you that there's people in this room, multiplied people in this room, that you're going to touch them today, and they're not going to run a little ministry or a little business and exist. You're going to use them to destroy every plan of the devil against the United States in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and the glory. Father, use this night to be a night that impacts people that way, where they're never the same. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. And if, if you would like to help us, we got three this year. Asbury Park, New Jersey, that's where uh, Bruce Springsteen's from. Uh, Newark, New Jersey, and then New Orleans, Louisiana. And so if you're friendly, we can use you as an altar worker. If you're unfriendly, we'll put you in security. Uh, <laughs> use anybody. 
Everybody has something to offer. Did you know one girl, one girl, her, I should say young lady in her 20s, early 20s, her name's Victoria. She, somehow she, she found me on YouTube and started watching my YouTube videos and saw the announcement uh, that we were doing these crusades and if you'd like to come help, come help. She flew from Germany to uh, National City, California, just south of San Diego, to come help with that California crusade. That's what she did with her vacation money. Flew from Germany to California. That's a long flight. And I mean, even an Alaskan would consider that a long flight. And, and then came and helped. And guess what? When she came to help, she met another guy that was working there that was around her age. They got married about a month ago and then took their honeymoon to come see me preach. But think of that. If you immerse yourself in the work of God, you meet the right people. Can you say amen? Man, I can't, I can't find anybody to marry. I have my last two marriages. Quit fishing in the same pond. Amen. Change bodies of water and you meet better people. You won't meet any future forensic files people at a crusade. Amen. You'll meet good men of God, good women of God, and it'll help you out. But I can tell you, and my dad will be here tomorrow night, and he's been doing it for over 40 years. You cannot work for the Lord. I don't mean go to church. I mean work for God and not be blessed. I grew up hearing ministers when I was younger. They'd say, you know, we gave our lives to the missions field, and we don't have anything. You should have given your life to Jesus instead of the mission field. Because you can work for a denomination and end up broke. But you can't do what God tells you to do and not end up with a super overflow of blessing. And I see that blessing coming your way tonight in the name of Jesus. If you believe that with me, put your hands together again. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. In our family, we call this the healing chapter of the New Testament. In, in 17 verses, Jesus takes dominion over all four categories of sickness and disease. All sickness and disease that ever was and that is now can be grouped into four categories, and Jesus, in 17 verses, dominates each category. Matthew 8, 1. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I want to. Be thou made whole. And instantly, everybody say instantly. The leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and, and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed. Everybody say paralyzed. And in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go, or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. 
I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home. Because you have believed, it has happened. Everybody say, because you believed. Another place it says, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Because you believed, it's happened. Everything with God works by faith. I used to have a, a lady that cut my hair, was a Jehovah's Witness. And she found out I was a preacher. And she said, you're a preacher, what do you do? And I knew what they believed, so I just figured I would, I would uh, get right to the confrontation. I said, I said, I preach the gospel. I said, I preach the gospel and we heal the sick. And she said, uh, oh, you mean spiritual healing, right? I said, no. I'm talking about opening the eyes of the blind, unstopping the ears of the deaf, and making the cripple to walk. And she, so anyway, she got upset. She said, well, if that stuff's real, she said, well, we don't believe that stuff's real. I said, it doesn't matter what you believe. Jesus did it. And then Jesus said, the same work that you see me do, you shall do in greater. She said, well, if that stuff's true, why don't you go to, any ch to the children's hospital in Pittsburgh and, and heal all the kids? I said, now you look like an intelligent woman. I didn't say she is an intelligent woman. I just said you look like one. Because clearly to make a statement like that, you're not too bright. And that's what they always say about people that operate in the power. Well, if that healing stuff real, how come they don't go down to the hospital and clear the hospital out? Well, I said, well, you look like an intelligent woman. I said, if I went down to, to the children's hospital and started going room to room and putting my hands on the kids, what do you think would happen? She said, well, the security would probably kick you out. So they wouldn't probably kick me out. They would kick me out. Set, number one, you're not allowed. Number two, it has never worked that way. Even in the ministry of Jesus, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, and Jesus could do no mighty miracle, not any. Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of what? Their unbelief. And so unbelief and faith is what everything comes down to. Well, if God wants everybody healed, how come people suffer? How many people does God want saved? Oh, so is everybody in the world living holy and righteous unto God? No, because it doesn't matter what God's will is. Until you, by faith, receive what God wants for your life, nothing works. I mean, most of the people that are sitting here, you're born again. But there was a time you were away from God. And so all the promises, everything you're enjoying right now, all the blessing and all the peace, that God has always wanted that for you from before you were born. But it stayed away from you. What changed? Somebody brought you the word of God. And when they brought you the word of God, you made a decision. You're not going to reject it. You said, I receive it. And when you believed it, God counted it as righteousness unto you. And you received all those promises from God. That's how salvation works. And healing works no differently. If you go to a church and they say, well, I don't really believe in healing, I don't know, they'll never have it. Because it doesn't matter that God wants it for you and paid a price. As long as it stays something, even like this guy in Matthew 8, 1 to 3, that, well, Lord, I know if you want to, before Jesus healed him, he corrected him. I want to be thou made whole. And immediately the man was healed. You not only have to know that God can do it, you have to know that God paid a high price with the blood of his son so that I can have dominion over all sickness and all disease and live healthy all my life. If you believe that with me tonight, why don't you let God hear you? Put your hands together and give him a great hand clap. Hallelujah.
Somebody say, as my faith is. Now say it like you didn't pass away two weeks ago. Say, as my faith is. Everything in the kingdom of God works by faith. I went, uh, I went on a trip to Africa with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. We were going to be gone 17 days and hit three different countries. When we sat in the plane before we went, he, prayed, he said, well, let's, pr- let's pray before we take off. And I got ready for the standard prayer, Lord, keep us safe. But he didn't pray that. He said, Father, from the time the wheels go up on this plane till the time we touch down, let it be a supernatural trip. Let your blessing locate us every day in Jesus' name. You know, I thought that's an intelligent prayer rather than, being, rather than praying to be kept safe. Because if you're going to get blessed every day, you can't get blessed dead, can you? Can you say amen? And so we went, we went there. Our first stop was in a city called Pretoria in South Africa. We went to Pretoria and checked in. A man came out from behind the desk. He said, are you Dr. Rodney Howard Brown? He said, I am. He said, I was in your meetings in the 90s. God blessed me. God changed my whole family. He said, I'm going to pay for you and your two guests their entire stay. He said, all your dry cleaning, anything you need, it's all going on my card because I want God to bless me. We said, thank you. The next day, we were sitting out having lattes out on the patio, day two, and the hotel manager came out. He said, I want you to know something. I know the maintenance man, the head of maintenance, said he's going to pay for your stay. But when I found out who you guys are, I, I didn't run his card, and I'm going to pay for it because I don't want him to get the blessing. I want the blessing. You know, I felt like saying, no, it not make any difference to me as long as one of you two's paying. Amen. <laughs> and I kid you not, that guy goes in, that guy goes into the hotel and comes out about seven minutes later. And he, he was black, so his face wasn't white, but you could tell if he was white, his face would have gone white because he was like this. And he said, you're never going to believe what happened. He said, I'm the manager of this hotel. Part of my job is to make sure that the hotel stays booked to a certain occupancy. We had almost total occupancy in the hotel, which is bad. He said, I, I ran my card to pay for you guys' room. And a, and a phone rang. They said, I know this is short notice, but we have two tour buses full of athletes, and something went wrong with our reservation at the other hotel. Is there any way you can accommodate two tour buses full of people? And he said, I kid you not. Every room in the hotel now just went booked from that one phone call, and it rang as soon as I ran the card. And so those guys were trying to pay for everything they could pay. We went from there to Zambia, same thing. From there to Nigeria, same thing. We went to the airport in South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, getting ready to fly out on day 17. Dr. Rodney said, I need a shirt. He walked into the Lacoste store to buy a shirt, and a family said, Dr. Rodney, we're from India. We watch you on Periscope. What are you doing here? They said, are you buying clothes? He said, yeah. They said, pick out four shirts, told him everything to pick out, and we'll pay for it. Then we went to a restaurant. We went to eat at the restaurant. Lady brought the bill. We went to pay for it. And before we could, a pastor came over. You don't know me, but I'm a pastor. I watch both of you guys on TV, and I want to pay for your meal. We got in the plane in 17 days. We never paid for one thing. Why? We could have, we, I could have heard Dr. Rodney say this. Well, you know, we're going to Africa. There's not much money there. You know, like I heard every missionary say when I was growing up. They say they have faith to struggle because they're going to a poor place, so they struggle. But Dr. Rodney didn't care what the economy was. He said, 
said, God, you're the same God in Africa as you're in America. The same way you've blessed me here, blessed me there. And blessing came every day. I'm going to tell you something. If the devil had his way, he works to discourage you so you don't expect anything. Nothing's going to work out. Nothing ever works out for me. But if you'll get the word of God in your heart and say, God, I believe you are who you said you are, and I believe you love me like you said you love me. I expect a miracle today. I expect goodness and mercy to follow me every day of my life. My God will not disappoint you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say as your faith is, so be it unto you. Turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Does somebody have a, a King James or New King James Bible I can use? Thank you. My man, I knew you'd come in in the clutch. Mark 11. Mark 11, listen to this. Mark 11, 22 through 24. Well, why don't we start at verse 12? Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see it, perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Everybody say unfruitful. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one, talking to a tree, let no one ever eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Everybody say this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who had bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So think of it. The Bible says, when Jesus said to the tree, let no one ever bear fruit from you again, the disciples heard it. Now they walked back by this tree a day later, and they noticed that the tree that Jesus cursed isn't like, wow, it looks like it lost a few leaves. It's like it's been dead for decades. And so when they see it, Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now what does Jesus say after that? Does he say, now, yes, it is, but remember, I can do that because I'm the Son of God. Don't you people try doing that. You're just disciples. No, Jesus used it as an object lesson and said, verse 22, Jesus answered unto him and said, have faith in God. Everybody say, have faith in God. Now here's the problem. When it comes to the subject of faith, people just think of faith like the census questionnaire form that you get passed out every so many years. You know, what faith are you? Well, I'm Catholic. I'm of the Protestant faith. I'm Baptist. They think of faith as whatever box you check on a form. But faith is a living, active force drawn from the living word of God that's intended to produce living proof in real life. Faith is not a synonym for religion. 
Faith is not a synonym. Well, you know, I'm of the Christian faith. That doesn't mean anything. Faith is alive. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So not only is faith alive in your spirit, if you don't do something to put action to your faith and make it produce, it'll die on the inside of you. You can read the Bible and read new books from the Christian bookstore and Instagram yourself reading it with a cup of coffee. That's not what faith is. Faith is putting the Word of God to work. Faith is taking action on the Word of God. And the more you use it, the more it grows. I said the more you use it, the more it grows. Man, if, I never thought the day would come where I would have faith to tell a bunch of people in the projects in Baton Rouge or a bunch of people in the projects in Camden, everybody that needs healed, everybody that needs delivered from drugs, line up and I'm going to pray for you. And no matter who you are or how bad it is, God's going to heal and set you free tonight. Because there was a day where if a sick person came for prayer, I got nervous. I thought, oh no, I preached on this, but now somebody's going to put it to the test. I hope it works. But brother, after five years, seven years, nine years of seeing people with cancer, the cancer dry up. I'm talking like in one day. You saw that video yesterday. Lady with stage two cancer where they couldn't understand. They said cancer can go away, but there has to be dead cells. They can't just disappear, and we don't know how it's just gone. You see that? You see deaf ears come open? You see blind eyes come open? Nine years, ten years? You get to a point where you're looking forward to what punk devil can stand in your way so you can make a mockery of the power of the devil and show this generation that Jesus is alive and he lives forevermore. Now, I'm not making any accusations, but if you are turning me down when I preach louder, please don't do it anymore. Amen. I don't want to sound like George Burns by tomorrow night. Everybody uh, 70 and over knows what I'm talking about. Everybody say, have faith in God. So faith is developed. And there's a way to develop faith. How do you develop it? I mean, while, while I'm rolling, let me just stick with it. How do you develop faith? I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I was preaching in 2005 before I was married. And uh, what had happened was I preached a youth retreat. And this girl that was on the cheering squad at public school had hyperextended her knee. And so she couldn't cheer anymore. And she came in like a, a, a leg cast. And back then, I didn't really have faith to pray for the sick. But I had all the kids line up to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So when, I guess when I laid hands on her to get filled with the Holy Ghost, and she went out under the power, the next uh, the morning I was leaving, I was packing my trunk, and she runs over. And I didn't remember who she was. She starts moving her leg, you know, kicking it up in the air like a cheerleader, holding it up like this, going, look, look. And I was like, okay, congratulations, you're flexible. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. Put a sticker on your chart, hold up a 10. Good job. She said, no, don't you remember me? I came here in a leg brace. My knee was hyperextended. She said, I wasn't going to be able to cheer the rest of the year. And when you laid hands on me, God touched my knee. I said, oh, that, that's powerful. Praise the Lord. Well, that was just the beginning. The youth pastor asked me to come back six weeks later. And when I came back six weeks later, that girl had told her unsaved mother what had happened to her leg. And, you know, obviously it was provable because it went from her not being able to cheer to now she can cheer. It wasn't like she was believing her leg was going to get better. It was better. And you could test it. So her mother had taken two prescription drugs that contradicted. They shouldn't have prescribed the two of them. And what happened was the prescription drugs ate away at her hip socket and deteriorated it. So not only was she in a wheelchair, 
if she stood up, the one leg would just hang out of the socket. So I'm talking like really crippled. And so she told her mom, Mom, come to the youth rally tonight. And this guy that prayed for me and made my leg better, he'll pray for you, and God will make your leg better. See, that's the good thing about a miracle. Did you hear all those people testify on that video? They had only been saved less than a week. But when you heard them talk about God and what he did for them, you can tell the difference between somebody that knows about God and somebody that knows God and has tasted of his power. And that, listen, that's why I contend for that. I don't have you stand out in 50-degree weather like last night for the fun of it. People need to have an encounter with the power of God where they know my God is real and my God is a mighty prayer-answering God. If you know that tonight, clap your hands again. Give God a mighty, mighty shout. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> so when she, she, called, uh, she called me up, she said, my daughter is the one that got her leg healed, and I wanted to know if you'd come over to my house and pray for me. But I didn't feel in my spirit to come over her house and pray for her. You know, the way I've always looked at it, it's like this. I came 1,100 miles. You can come six miles. Oh, but I'm in a wheelchair. That's okay. Somebody will take you. But you have to do something to show some faith. I don't need to sit somewhere and eat cherry pie and hear about the problem, you know, forever. Because what people need, we're not on a mission from Jesus. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and pray for the sick. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's first. And then these signs will follow the preaching of the gospel. Even if the lady's leg gets healed and she's not saved and goes to hell, who cares if she goes to hell with two good legs? She needs to be saved not only to go to heaven, but she needs to be saved so the devil loses access to her life. Can you say amen? So I was young, you know, young at the time, like 26, and didn't have the authority I have now, but you know, I, I just felt, I said, listen, I'm not going to come over to your house. I said, I want you to come tonight. And when you come tonight, she said, oh, it's very difficult for me to get out. I said, I'm sure it is. But when you come tonight, I'll pray for you first. And she said, okay, I'll come. Well, then I hung up the, hung up the phone. though. what did I get myself into? This lady's in a wheelchair. I never had anybody healed out of a wheelchair. And so I had an idea. I was just at my Uncle Tim's. It's amazing how the Lord works things out. There's a minister named A.A. A. Allen. A.A. Allen was one of the greatest uh, miracle ministers that the country ever knew. He'd have cr huge crowds. They'd have blind eye night, deaf ear night. They would have so many people healed that towards the end of the meeting, families would start to sign their loved ones out of the hospital and bring them in an ambulance. I'm talking like people that are bedridden. Bring them in an ambulance and have the attending doctor wheel them in on the bed and they'd, they'd have a special tent for those people. I'm not going to pray for 100, 200 bed cases and have them cleared out. So my uncle Tim had a highlight VHS way back in 2005. Had a highlight VHS of A.A. Allen's greatest miracles from his meetings. And he had it all on one three-hour tape. So I got the idea when I hung up because I thought, what am I going to do now? I thought, you know what? Let me watch that. And that's what happened. I started to get faith. I started, you know, watch 30 minutes, one hour, two hours of crippled people, blind people. I watched how he prayed for the deaf. That's called impartation. Everybody say impartation. You will never find anybody that operates in the power of God that didn't sit under somebody. And when I say the power of God, I don't mean acting nuts. I'm talking about actual blind eyes, deaf ears, crippled people, that kind of thing. And so I watched that. Well, I went as I watched that. 
from being unsure what I was going to do for that lady and scared and you know, thinking, what, the, what if it doesn't work? To starting to get excited for that next meeting and thinking, I know the Lord's going to touch that lady. Everybody say this, faith, faith. doesn't come by accident. You know, you go find anybody that has big muscles, a six-pack of abs, and you say, how did you get that way? They'll say, I don't know. Just been playing video games, watching TV, and it seems like my muscles just keep growing. No. Anybody that, that you can tell is physically, you know, big. I, I remember they, they, introduced, uh, they interviewed The Rock, that movie star, The Rock. He used to be a wrestler, now he's a movie star. They said, man... Your physique's incredible. He said, well, all I did is work out six hours a day for 27 years. You know, people are at where they're at for a reason. Most people wait till they get sick and then ask for prayer. But if you'll learn to develop your faith every day and feast on the Word of God, and it comes alive and builds it, builds the muscles of your spirit, man, you'll stay in dominion over the devil in every area of life. Lift your hands all over the sanctuary. From this day forward, you'll stay in dominion over the devil in every area of life in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe that with me, let your amen be the loudest. Amen. So I, I finished watching th three hours of Brother Allen exhorting and praying for the sick. And I went to the meeting that night. There was about 520 teenagers there. And so I, uh, I saw they bust a lot of kids in from the inner city. They had their arms crossed, staring at me, weren't impressed. I gave an altar call, de decent response, not, nothing great. And then I said, now I'm going to pray for anybody here that's sick. I don't want to single that lady. She waved to me in the back. She was sitting all the way in the back in her wheelchair. I didn't want to single her out. So I said, anybody that's sick that would like prayer, come forward. So her daughter wheeled her forward. And so I told her I'd pray for her first. Maybe about 30-some people came forward. It was a youth meeting, you know. So I laid hands on her first, like I said. I said, I curse this crippleness. Everybody say curse. I know they teach you as a Christian you're not supposed to curse, but Jesus cursed. He cursed the fig tree. God cursed in the Old Testament, and the Holy Ghost cursed in the New Testament. Acts chapter 13, there was a sorcerer, and the Bible says, Paul, full of the Holy Ghost, looked the sorcerer in the eyes and said, You son of the devil, full of everything, full of every sort of deception and villainy, enemy of all that is good. And then he said, Now the Lord has laid his hand of judgment against you, and scales formed on his eyes, and he went blind. So the American church doesn't know about that. The American church only knows about the love side of God. But there's another part if you're going to operate in the miraculous where you have to realize you don't pray about what the devil's doing. You curse what the devil's doing. Can you say amen? There's not one psychic shop, astrology shop, anything that's around me in Pittsburgh that I haven't driven by and cursed. In fact, last year, last year in January when we were doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we, I drove by this astrology shop, and the open light was flashing, and it actually ticked me off. I thought, I can't believe my anointing so weak that I can be in this town, and they can operate in this town and, and, without problem. And it ticked me off. I felt the Lord speak, do something about it. So at the red light, I, cur I said, you foul devil that operates out of that shop. I curse the plumbing in that shop. I curse the electricity in that shop. Let everything go wrong that can go wrong in the name of Jesus Christ. My wife heard me curse it, and if you were at the ladies' meeting, uh, you know what my wife's like. She started to really curse it. I mean, my face turned red. I thought, okay, that's enough cursing. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for an anointed wife. 
I drove to the, the, the church that day. We were doing 21 days of prayer and fasting to start January. And I guess because it was still in my spirit, when in the middle of my preaching, I said, do you people want to know? I said, do you people know that psychic shop over by the church? And I told the road. They said, yeah. I said, do you want to know how those people aren't really psychic? And they shook their head, yes. I said, the way you'll know they're not psychic is they don't realize they're about to go out of business. And so apparently one of the youth was paying attention. A couple months later, I was preaching somewhere, and I got a message sent to me on Twitter that this young kid, 14, Logan, took a screenshot off the Internet that that place was up for sale and out of business. Can you say amen? I want to tell you something. You can be a traditional Christian that tries to get enough Republicans together and elected to go into Washington and do legislation. They've had people picketing abortion for 40-some years, and it's not gone anywhere, and it's not going to go anywhere that way. Or you can realize tonight that God's given you power to point at any mountain and curse it, tell it to get up and move, and it's going to obey your command. You don't have to wait for the Republicans. You can curse Planned Parenthood in the name of Jesus. You can command their funding to dry up in Jesus' name. This end time church isn't going to need political representation. The end time church has power over all the work of the devil. Somebody shout curse. Hallelujah. God's given us power to curse what he doesn't want in the earth. I said God's given us power to curse what he doesn't want in the earth. I said God's given us a command to curse what doesn't belong in the earth. And that's one reason why people have ineffective ministries. Because they're all on the love part. But there's more to being in the ministry than having love. As much as you have a love for God, you should have a hatred for wickedness and schemes of the devil. You get around your average Christian, they hear about a heroin overdose or someplace they're cooking meth. Oh, isn't it a shame? That's somebody that's dried up from the inside. If you let God light a fire in you, what happens is you stop feeling like, well, what can I do? And instead, something comes on you like Elijah where you say, if I be a man of God, let fire come down and consume every foul work of the devil against my life, against my family, and against my generation. And God will back you from heaven. Well, go ahead. If you're one of them, clap those hands and let God know that he has somebody to work with. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say this. What I curse is cursed. Say what I bless is blessed. Now lift your hands and thank God that he's given you power over all the work of the devil. He's given you power over all the work of the devil. You will tread on serpents and scorpions. Just walk on them for fun. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now just a disclaimer. The way, you, the way you stay out of trouble is this is never to be used for personal reasons. That's witchcraft. You don't have your neighbor build their fence six inches on your property and say, I curse you. No. But when it comes to schemes and strategies of the devil designed to take this generation out, you don't pray about it. You curse it. 
Oh, Lord, it's a shame that psychic's there. Wish you'd do something about it. He's up in heaven going, wish you'd do something about it. Wish you'd open your Bible, dummy, and read that I've given you all authority over all the power of the devil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Say unused authority authority. is pointless. pointless. Can you imagine a police officer watching the gas station get robbed and go, isn't that a shame? Crime's getting worse in Wasilla. I'm going to tell the mayor next time I see him. Something needs to be done about this. Can you imagine a police officer coming to the mayor? I saw a robbery. It's really a shame. Say, what'd you do about it? You're the mayor. You're you're actually the one that's in charge. He'd say, yeah, I'm in charge. What do you think that shiny badge is on your chest, genius? I've deputized you to act on behalf of the office of the mayor. That any time you see something that's out of line, to subdue it by your authority. And then if something won't listen to your authority, that's what you got that thing on your side for. To pull it out and enforce your authority. I'm going to tell you tonight. God didn't just give us authority over the devil. He gave us power over the devil. Any demon that won't respect your authority, you have a Holy Ghost revolver. You have fire from God. And when you loose that, it brings everything under subjection. That's where people get messed up. They say, oh, you know, I I, I tried that and it didn't work. You don't try it. You enforce it. I prayed, nothing happened. If you are actually dumb enough to say that sentence, there's no use you praying. Nothing ever will happen. It is impossible to pray the prayer of faith and nothing happen. Jesus said, you can speak to the mountain. And when you do, your command will, not might, will be obeyed. Can you say amen? I was in in Indiana. And on the last night of the meeting, the pastor said, do you remember this one lady it's like a church like this that I, I, I came to a few times. He said, do you remember that lady that was always in your meetings and described? I said, yeah, actually, I was wondering uh, why she didn't come to the meeting. I didn't know if she left your church or what. He said, no, she got a bacterial infection in her chest, and uh, it spread, and she's on life support right now, and they think she's, gonna, she's on full life support, and the family wanted to know if you'd pray for her before you'd leave town. I said, no problem. So we drove over to the hospital, and I walked in, with the pastor on request of the family, she's on full life support. You know, you know, a corpse hooked up to a breathing machine, totally dead. Bacteria all through her body, shut down her respiratory system. So uh, I went to pray for her. Some places I've gone, the nurse and everything, they're, they're nice and they'll bow their heads. And then other places, they stare at you like, oh, I thought all you people died in the 50s. There's still some of you idiots left. That's what these people are like, just staring at me. I just did my thing. I put my head, what do you do? You do what Jesus, Jesus told you what to do. Lay your hands on the sick. And the sick sometimes will recover. No. Lay your hands on the sick and the sick shall recover, will recover. No, no, no two ways about it. So I laid my hands on her. I said, you foul infection and whatever else is in there that they haven't found. I curse you. Everybody say curse. curse. You curse sickness. You curse blindness. You curse deafness. You heard my uncle praying for the deaf a couple nights ago. Stuck his finger in their ear. Thou foul deaf spirit. You're not going to hear those guys in skinny jeans with the knees ripped out talk like that. They don't know anything about taking authority over the devil or sin. But the church doesn't just have the job to love and to build up. When God called Jeremiah, he gave him a set of instructions. Half were to plant and build, but the first half was to uproot and tear down. 
Did you know there's not just things that need built? You can't just run around planting churches and doing the work of God. You also have to identify things that the enemy has planted that are standing in the way, that are planted there to stop the move of God in the city and say, you foul devil, you're not going to have this city. You're not going to have this generation. I curse you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and God will back you from heaven. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the problem. Very few modern-day Christians have what I would call spiritual violence. See, spiritual violence. The same thing you see Islamic jihadists do in the physical is what you're supposed to have, that same mentality on the inside of you. Read anybody that God used in the, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's right, but we do wrestle. So you don't take it out on physical people. You want the drug dealers to get saved. You want the drug addicts to get saved. But there's a spirit that's behind the the heroin explosion in America. The devil brought that in. That's what's behind it. And so you take a you say, you stupid devil that's targeted this nation to break up homes and have everybody addicted. You're not going to function. I bind your operation. I curse your work. I command the money supplies to dry up and God will come behind your words and revival will break out in the land. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't wait to see what happens. You make things happen. I said you don't wait to see what happens. You make things happen with your words. To tear down and to build up. Not just build. We're planning church. We have a plan. You know, you hear these, these different organizations. We will plan to, to plant 500 churches across America in the next year. Well, if they're all like the one that you're planting, you plant 900, it won't matter. There's no power. They coexist with the devil. Can you say amen? amen. You can't coexist with demons. Every time I see somebody with that stupid bumper sticker, I think, how dumb can you be and still breathe? Coexist with all the religious emblems. Do you know that there's nations that if you're Jewish, you're not even allowed to fly into the nation. They teach their children to kill Jews. They have it on the children's shows. An American church needs to wake up and realize this is not a game. There are forces aligned to make sure, from hell to make sure that you get divorced. If the devil had his way, you saw my little sweet Camila, five years old, that came up with my wife. If the devil had his way, they'll find her dead, 15 years old in a gutter OD somewhere with everybody else in Camden and Baton Rouge and L.A. There's a devil. He's not looking to cause you a problem. He's not looking to shove you. Jesus said he's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Do you know how many pre- I've been around preachers my whole life. Do you know how many I've been around? The husband died early. And people don't get it. They don't understand that it's the devil. We don't know why the Lord took Pastor so-and-so early. The Lord didn't take him early, you jackass. The words expressed from the pulpit tonight are of Jonathan Shuttlesworth and don't necessarily respect the views of King's Chapel Wasilla. That's actually the problem with the modern church. They'll be more offended that I said jackass than about the heroin problem and the meth problem. We don't know why God took Brother Anderson early. Uh, 
Did you read in the Bible where he said, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation? Is God double-minded? Is he going to say, I give you long life and then change his mind and snap the breath out of your body? God is the author of life. Satan is the author of death. Five-year-old child died. We don't know why the Lord decided to take it. The Lord didn't do it. You know how many people in Alaska won't come to church? Because some knucklehead preacher, I'll tell them the language gentlemen, because I can tell you, you were pretend offended because we were in church. Meanwhile, everybody has cable TV with an R movie queued up when they go home. Do you know how many Alaskans won't come to church? Because they were at a funeral where a child died, they've never been to church, and some stupid minister, he said, stupid's a little strong, isn't it? If you are a minister and you teach people the opposite of what the Bible says, stupid's too light a word. You tell all these unbelievers that are there that God was behind that child's leukemia or cancer. I'll tell you what I would think if I was one of the family, if that's what God does, I'm staying out of that place. I don't, I don't need to roll the dice and see whether he wants to bless me or wants to curse me. That's the devil's plan. The devil wants people to think God's behind. Listen to CNN. Listen to the New York Times. Listen to the Washington Post. Anytime there's 9-11, Parkland shooting, Orlando massacre, why, why could a God of love allow that to happen? God allows what you allow. He said whatever you bind on earth, I'll stop it from heaven. But whatever you allow on earth, I'll allow it from heaven. It's not up to God to put a stop to what's going on. It's up to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to realize we're in a battle and to loose the power of God. Bust the devil in the head. Lift your hands all over this room. Every assault of the wicked against your marriage against your children, against your destiny. It comes under divine judgment tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. You will go through to the other side whether the devil likes it or not. If you believe that, take 30 seconds, clap your hands, and give God a mighty, mighty shout. Go ahead and make some noise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, have faith in God. Say, whatever I bind is bound. Say, whatever I loose is loosed. Can you say amen? Turn back to Mark 11. Jesus said, have faith in God. For I assure you. Let me get it right. Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Somebody say, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain. So remember, they're freaking out because he said it to a tree. Jesus, that tree you cursed. Jesus said, the tree, I say unto you. That's what I love about Jesus, among other things. Jesus never said, what you see me do, don't try to do it. He said, the same work that Everybody say, same work. same work. The same work that you see me do, you shall do. 
and greater. Everybody say, and greater. So this is what he does here. The tree, assuredly, I say unto you, you can say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. Now listen to 23 again. Mark eleven twenty three, 23. For assuredly I say to you, whosoever says, one, to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says, too, will be done. Everybody say, believes that what I say will be done. You can't be somebody that says something and says, well, you know, I, I declared that, and I'm just believing that it's, you know, you have to believe that it's done. When Elijah commanded it to rain, he never prayed a second time. Hey, go tell me how many clouds are in the sky. There's no cloud. Check again. There's no cloud. Check again. There's no Check again. And then we say, well, okay, now we see a cloud as a man's hand. Elijah said, it's time to run. That's my prayer being answered. He said, well, you know, there is a cloud, so we almost got. No, it's not possible for me to speak it as a man of God and it not come to pass. I might not see it right away, but it has to obey my command. Lift your hands all over this place. Everything that's been delayed, everything you've spoken and not seen it come to pass, even things that you've spoken that you gave up on. A renewed faith comes alive in your spirit. You will see everything you've prayed and spoken shall be done now in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and celebrate it ahead of time. Clap your hands. Give that God a mighty shout. Now say this so your own spirit can hear it. Say, I don't have to put up with the devil's mess. When you've had enough, have enough. You don't wait to see when a plague of sickness is going to reside. Well, you know, I've been, I've been having pneumonia off and on. I'm just hoping. Oh, yeah. Take authority over it. As soon as you feel an infringement of the enemy, you curse that sucker from the fiber, from the depth of your soul. And watch the fire of God burn that out. Can you say amen? amen. How come, you know, my dad's going to be here tomorrow night. He usually doesn't tell these stories for whatever reason. But how come my dad went overseas to India and the pastor booked him. Stand up, this lady in the three, stand right up and step right out. Power of God's all over you. That's faith. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Enough's enough. There's an, expiry, there's an expiry date on your suffering. And it's May 31st, 2018. It leaves you right now forever. Filled in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a great hand clap all over this place. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. You can tell I'm packing tonight. You know, God, God likes this kind of talk. God likes rough talk. 
Smith Wigglesworth said, the devil is not a gentleman. Don't talk to him like one. Let me tell you, let me tell you, something, let me tell you something before I keep reading this passage. I was at a, a youth camp in the Assemblies of God. And I preached like I do other than last night for about two hours, laid hands on everybody. You know, I did everything I could do. So I go to go take a break and sit down, and this youth pastor comes over to me. Um, Brother Jonathan, one of my youth, this guy's in his, in his like late 20s. Brother Jonathan, there's a, um, one of our female youth leaders, a little girl about 30, 35. She's having a panic attack right now. Can you come over and minister to her? I said, are you a minister? He said, yeah. I said, did you go to Bible college? Yeah. I said, then you do it. Well, he looked like anyone. You know, he got offended. So I, so I watched his sorry behind. He goes over behind the girl. That's, I mean, this girl's in her seat. He wasn't lying. She's in her seat like this. <laughs> you know, it's a demon. She, he goes over. This is what he does. Comes over, puts his hand on her back, and goes, peace, peace. When I saw that little guy do that, <laughs> as tired as I was in sitting down, I knew it was the Holy Ghost because I got a rush of energy. I went over, you know, peace, peace. Meanwhile, there's a demon sitting on her. I go, yeah, peace, peace. <laughs> I went over, and if he was offended before, he was doubly offended. I said, get your hand off of her before you get hurt. And I think he thought he meant, like, I'm going to hurt him. The devil will thrash some Guy like that. <laughs> Amazing that you can go to a, a Bible college, a full gospel Bible college for four years. They don't even teach you any, anything about that stuff. So you get an impartation from pansies, you turn into a pansy. You ha- you hang around mighty men of God and mighty women of God, you'll turn into a mighty man of God without even trying. I see you taking your place as a mighty woman of God, a mighty man of God in this end time revival in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if that sounds like you, let the devil hear a noise come out of Wasilla that there's a bunch of Alaskans that have his number. Somebody shout hallelujah. I said, I said, get your hand off of her. And I got in front of her. Everybody say in front. You don't pray for people from behind. I basically quit going to the altar places because you always, at any charismatic church, you have somebody come up and start rubbing your shoulder. I was raised in a family where men don't rub men's shoulders. I was staying at a resort and wanted to get a massage. I said, I'd like a female masseuse, please. They said, we only have men working today. I said, then I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I went up to the altar at one place, and I wanted to pray. I can't pray with some str- stranger rubbing my shoulder. I can't do it. I went up and prayed, and then I felt this hand come on my shoulder and start rubbing my shoulder. I went to look at the fingers, hoping it was my, my wife. Because my wife's Puerto Rican, you'd know. The nails are out to here. Chartreuse, purple, Puerto Rican flag emblem. <laughs> oh, 
But, but I, 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 <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I looked, it was a man's hand. So I very kindly turned around and said, get your hand off of my shoulder. He said, I was just praying with you. I said, no, you were rubbing my shoulder. Please return to your seat and tell any other shoulder rubbers you know to also stay away from me. You say, I thought you're supposed to have fruit of the Spirit and have love. I do. That's why they didn't grab his hand and judo throw him onto the altar. Everybody say, pray from the front. You don't cast out devils from behind rubbing somebody's shoulder. Peace, peace. You know, he's saying peace. The girl's still shaking. Now remember this. Why did Jesus say you'll lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover if he's going to do it from heaven? Peter said to the crippled man, silver and gold have I none, but what I have. Everybody say what I have. have. Say I have something. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give unto you. Think of that. What I have. Peter was cognizant that after the day of Pentecost, he was now carrying power 24 hours a day, whether you feel it or not, to give to other people. I I said, get your hand off the girl. I went around, grabbed her by both sides of the head. I said, you foul demon of fear. I didn't even get that far, and it was gone. The devil's a punk. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil knows when he's overmatched and the devil knows when he's dealing with somebody that doesn't. I think I told you this story when I was here last year, but it'd be good to hear it again. Bishop Oyedepo at his church, largest church in Christian history, over 500,000 worshipers. Now, Now think of this. I was listening to their prayer service because of the time difference, us being in Alaska and them being in Nigeria. They start their morning prayer when I'm driving home from this meeting. So I was listening to it. Bishop Oedepo got up and said, hear ye the word of the Lord. The average attendance of this church, beginning that it is right now, by July 8th will be double what it is right now. Do you know what their average attendance is? Like 470,000 individual worshipers per Sunday. It's a 50,000 seat building with overflow. I was there. I saw it. It's not exaggerated numbers. And so when he said that, you could tell even his own people were like, uh. And you know what he said? He said, you heard me declare it. God will back it. He said, please remember this, that when I announced we were going to build this 50,000-seat sanctuary within a year, people mocked and said they'll never get it built. He said, where are they now? When I said we'll go to two services, they said we'll never do it. He said when I said we'll go to five, they said we'll never do it. He said the same way the Lord spoke those things through me, he told me because he's coming soon, we're going to double. Now listen, that's not 20% growth. That's somebody with a developed faith to say God can do the impossible right now with the boldness to declare it. If it's too big for your mouth, it'll always be too big for your hand. But if by faith you'll learn to speak it, God will put it in your hand and back it from heaven. I see the impossible becoming a reality for you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout double. 
grabbed that girl by the head. You spirit of fear, leave her alone. It left immediately. I told you I was praying for that dead lady in Indiana. I cursed this bacterial infection. Come out of her body. Be healed in Jesus' name. When I finished, I didn't feel anointed walking in. I didn't feel anointed praying. I could feel those nurses and doctors staring at me like, would you hurry up so we can get back to doing what we're doing? It was like 1130 at night. I left. She looked more dead than when I started praying. But I know what the Bible says. So I didn't say to the pastor, well, I hope it worked. You know what you say? You don't go by how you feel. You go by what the Bible says. I'm not anointed because I feel anointed. I'm anointed because God said you have an anointing from the Holy One. Any dummy can recite how they feel. You know, Pastor, I feel sad. I feel depressed. What are you, four years old? Anybody can recount how I'm hungry. I'm tired. How are you doing today? It's Monday. I didn't ask you what day it was. I said, how are you today? Can you say amen? Learn to use your tongue, not to speak your emotions, but to speak what God said. My wife is blessed. I am blessed. On January 1st, when we finished our New Year's Eve service and came home, it was quarter to three in the morning. I ran a New Year's Eve service from 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. Hung out a little bit with the people that came to the meeting. Drove home, got home at about 2.30. I felt like sleeping. But at the beginning, first hours of a new year, I said, Camila, come here. Adolis, come here. I said, Adolis, I bless you as the head of this house. This will be a sickness-free year. This will be a year full of blessing for you. And look, she had no meetings when the year started. Now she can't stay home. Doors opening everywhere. Then I grabbed my little five-year-old. She was only four at the time, by both sides of her head. She started crying. She doesn't understand. She'll understand when she's older. I said, be blessed, Camila. This is declared a sickness-free year for you. You are blessed. You'll do well in everything you do. Called up to register for preschool. Somebody found out we registered and paid the whole year in advance at private school. I'm telling you, learn to open up your mouth and tear down what the devil's doing and declare what God said in his word. Go ahead, take 15 seconds and rejoice. I mean, you think about it. Jericho was a walled city that was so wide that six teams, hallelujah, that six teams of chariots could go side by side on the top of the wall. If it fell, it was still a wall. When the Twin Towers fell, you didn't go walk through the Twin Towers. The rubble piled up, what, over 100 feet in the air? If the wall of Jericho collapsed, it was still a wall. What was, the walls had never been breached. What was God's plan for breaching the wall? March around it six times, because wherever you put your foot, you'll be on land I've given to you. And then on the seventh time, let out a shout. Our army, God's army, is a weird army. We don't celebrate and shout when the battle's over. We shout ahead of time, and when we shout, it exempts us from having to fight. I'm sure Jericho CNN was on top of the wall. Jericho Washington Post. Jericho New York Times. Look at these idiots marching around the wall dead quiet. And then they're going to shout, are they stupid? That's not how you breach a wall. But why do they think like that? Like with Jesus. They fear us. They're talking about us all the time. 
Because they fear us. They know that we're teaching a doctrine out of the Word of God that they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to shut it down. And so their plan is to bring every church. The United Methodists took the bait. Presbyterians took the bait. Catholics took the bait to go into a one-world religion. We're not saying our way's right. We're not saying the Bible's true. These are just faith stories to give you hope. But there's one group that they haven't been able to bring into compliance. The Pentecostal, full gospel, Holy Ghost church. They fear us because they know we've got firepower to shut down every work of the devil. If you're part of that church, let heaven hear you. Clap your hands and give God a mighty shout. Somebody shout yes. When they let out that shout, the wall didn't just fall. The Bible says the wall fell flat. And they went straight into the city. The ground opened up. And that wall went down, and they went straight in. My, my crimson tide friend, stand on your feet and step into the aisle. Power of God's all over you, brother. Blakure, raw Alabama country faith is what this world needs. I see it coming alive on the, the gift of faith. The gift of faith. What the Lord used you to do this week, you're going to do it left and right. The devil will rue the day he let you live. You will terrorize hell. This is called, this is a spiritual gift called the gift of faith. Special faith. Another translation. Wonder-working faith. You can't go to sleep in a lion's den and the lions stay back. That's the gift of faith. Working of miracles is an active gift. When the lion jumped out of the thicket and Samson caught it by its jaws and ripped it in half, that's the working of miracles. But the gift of faith is a passive gift. When it's stirred up, you just walk and watch things get done. You stir up faith, let it go out of your mouth, and there it goes. Daniel didn't have to rip lions in half. Daniel didn't stay in the lions then, saying, no, no, I command you not to go. He went to sleep, and an angel, the gift of faith attracts angels. I said, the gift of faith attracts angels. Hallelujah. I was preaching, I was preaching in Laredo, Texas. We had about 500 kids saved out of one high school in that youth meeting. My wife was with me. She can vouch for me. And I gave an altar call. I said, because I could feel the gift of faith like I feel it now. I said, the first three young people that you're sick, you have cancer, leukemia, some kind of bone problem, come up. Three kids came right up. I said, now I'm not going to lay hands on you. I said, I'm going to pray from right here, and the Lord's going to heal you. When I prayed, one kid went out under the power, and then got up and started jumping up and down. And all the kids got excited. I guess they knew who he was. Well, I find out he's one of the top football players in the high school, had a weightlifting accident, and the weightlifting accident made it where he was going to miss the whole season. Slipped disc in his back, and his neck, something was messed up, one of the discs. And so he comes up to my wife and tells her what was wrong with his back and says, when your husband slapped my head, I felt all the bones go back into alignment. Well, I've wanted to slap people in the head, but with video cameras and Facebook Live and everything, you know, I don't want to be on Judge Judy. The defendant in this case, Evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, is accused of slapping this teenager in the head. 
So when he said to my wife, when your husband slapped me in the head, I felt my whole spine straighten out and I'm healed. My wife said, my husband never slapped you in the head. He said, well, when he touched me, he, she said, he never touched you. And his friends were in there. They said, he never touched you. He was like 10 feet away. He said, well, who touched me? They said, nobody, nobody went over and touched you. But you know what? I was, I was uh, in one of Dr. Rodney's meetings about a month before that. And he said, the angel that called you into the ministry as you preach the gospel is going to begin to work with you in your meetings. Hallelujah. Who slapped him? You can't sue an angel. You can't, you can't arrest an angel. Hallelujah. Then that's all we have to do. We don't have to burn down a meth cooking place. We just open our mouth and the unarrestable angels do all the work. God has equipped us to destroy every work of the devil and we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Come on, 20 more seconds. Clap those hands and give God a mighty shout. Hallelujah. I see every wall of Jericho falling flat. I see every prison door coming open. I see every chain falling off. Open up your mouth. Let the shout of the Lord be in the camp. Stand on your feet, everybody. Every hand lifted. What One time in Mark 11, 22 through 24, one time he talks about prayer, and three times he talks about what you say. Many people are great at praying. But they never speak afterwards. And everything they speak undoes their prayer. I've been praying for my husband, but he, you know, never, nothing. He, he's one, he, not, nothing changed. I prayed for my husband the last time we did prayer and fasting at King's Cathedral. I prayed for my husband for the whole fast. He, he, nothing worked. Well, the thing doesn't work because you need to get the wax cleaned out of your ears and hear the word of the Lord and start acting on the word of the Lord. When Elijah's servant returned and said, there's no clouds in the sky, he said, well, you know, we did our best. Sometimes we just have to leave things to God. No, he said, check again. When I speak, my command is obeyed. When I cursed that psychic shop and it burned down in front of my eyes, it took about four months. But once you loosen out of your mouth, it's a done deal, my friend. And then your job from then on is to make sure you don't allow anything to discourage your faith. Hallelujah. As sure as I'm standing here looking at you with flowers on my shirt, as soon as you start contending for the advancement of God's kingdom, God will raise up, hell will raise up and anoint discouragers to tell you that doesn't work. You're overboard. You need to be careful. That's why it's so important to make sure you choose your camp. Get out of the camp of the discouragers. Get around people of like precious faith. I'm going to tell you, anything... Anything Pastor Daniel told me after we finished preaching about when I was preaching, I felt the Lord's going to do this with my church. I, I wasn't. Now you, know, you have to remember in this political climate. No, I'd say that's right. I'm in agreement. Find somebody to come into agreement with you. And if you can't find anybody, you're lying because you've got one standing right up here on this stage that tells you you shall not be defeated. You will not give up and quit. He who began a good work in you shall bring it to completion. You're not going back on drugs. You're not going to lose your marriage. You're not going to lose your children. You're going to win victory after victory, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit.
Somebody say, I have the victory. Say, I'm not trying to get the victory. I have the victory. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God out of your mouth. Oh, you sound good. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, I tell myself. And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all my sin. Heals all my disease. He ransoms my life from death. He fills my life. He fills my life. Pia, come right around. Power of God's all over you. Lift both your hands right there. Close both eyes. As you do the fire, the gift of faith. The gift of faith. The gift of faith. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> Not only is there a gift of faith. Not only is there a gift of faith. You can transfer the gift of faith. Lift your hands all over this room. Receive the gift of faith. Receive the gift of faith. Receive that wonderful gift. That says, I'm not going down. I will live and not die. I shall not be defeated. I'm going forward and nothing can stop me. Stay on your feet because that will remind me to let you go. Gift of faith. It's real. It's real. It's real. Hallelujah. Now listen to me real quick. Somebody say the gift of faith. You need it, brother. That's the one Paul told Timothy. Make sure you don't lose that one. Timothy, I call unto your remembrance. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 through 8, uh, through 7, excuse me. Timothy, I call unto remembrance the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice now resides in you. Now notice that. Listen to me. You will either pass down unbelief to your children or you'll pass down faith to your children. Do you know what I made a point to do? Not that my parents did it, but for everybody else's parents that are telling, you know, when you get older, you're going to see it's hard. Wait till you have bills. Wait till you're paying the bills. You know, I've just made a point to tell Camila the opposite. And she's only four when I was saying it, three, now five. She doesn't know what I'm saying, but I'm not saying it to her head. I'm saying it into her spirit. I, she was riding behind me in the vehicle. I said, hey, Camila, see how nice our car is? Yeah. See how nice our house is? Yeah. See how we can eat anywhere we want? Yeah. I said, you know who did that? Who? I said, Jesus. And I said, he blessed your dad, and he's going to bless you more than he blessed me. You know what she did? She went like this. I'm not saying it here. I'm saying it here. I'm not telling you wait till you get old. Wait till you see what men are really like. Wait till, no, you're going to be blessed. The blessing that started off on my grandfather increased on my father, increased on me, and it'll increase on you. Hallelujah. The curse, the curse goes to the fourth generation. But the blessing, everybody say the blessing, goes to a thousand generations. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I'm not cursed. I am blessed. 
and you can't curse what God has blessed. Clap your hands and celebrate it one more time. The Bible clearly says, don't be, we know Satan and his strategies and tricks. As sure as I'm preaching this to you, some hell anointed person can come and say, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Or you'll get news for the thing you're believing for right now. It's actually worse now. Because that's an attempt of the devil to get you to change your confession. Well, you know, I, I believe you know, we have to leave some things to the Lord. How many of you know sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says what? No, that ain't in the Bible, brother. That's not in the Bible. Now listen to this. I'm going to tell you how God works. Everybody say the Holy Ghost is an encourager. That's what Jesus said. Nobody can encourage you like the Holy Ghost. When I got ready to do all these crusades and buy this television station, a faith preacher who I know the devil used people that are close to you to try to discourage you because if it was some homeless man that I didn't know saying, you're not going to make it. I'd think, oh, well, that guy's demon possessed. But if it's, if it's somebody you know, like your mother or your father, and they'd say, I'm going to tell you right now, th then their words have a tendency to get to you. So this guy was a faith preacher. And he didn't say it directly to me, but he told somebody so it would get to me. Jonathan's making a big mistake buying that television station and doing all those crusades. He, the Lord showed me he's going to have a financial... Uh, meltdown this year. Well, you hear that from, from an older minister and you think, well, maybe I got myself in over my head, you know? I got this book on financial overflow coming out. People say, oh, was that written by the guy that went bankrupt in June? But I learned not to say, oh, Lord. I said, Father, thank you that you spoke to me to do it. I think it's going to happen. Did you know the day after that guy had that news get back to me, I found out Bishop Oyedepo that has the largest church on planet Earth felt led of the Spirit to do a, what was called a North American Church Growth Conference. Be, and so I canceled my meeting and went to go see him because now I was going to fly to Nigeria again and see him, but now he's in D.C. and that's easier to get to. So I went to go see him. I sat in the back. There was probably 900 people there. This is the day after that guy said, Jonathan's going to have a financial collapse. And I'm sitting back there, and I see him on the platform, look over to his usher and point at me. And the usher comes and gets me. I'm like, oh, great. Now not only did I get discouraged, I'm going to get thrown out of the meeting. The usher said, Bishop Oedepo would like you to come up and sit on the platform with him. I said, me? Yeah. So I walked up, sat on the platform, and listened to him preach. The message helped me. And then when it was over, I went to leave. You know, I'm not going to follow him around. Man, Bishop Oedepo, you want to go to lunch? I, I left. So I went to leave, and the same usher went and found me and said, Bishop Oedepo wants you and your cousin to come up to his office where he's at. This is in a big auditorium, like a rented auditorium. So I, they usher me up. There's probably about 45 people in this little room, all of his associate pastors and stuff, and then me and Teddy, my cousin. The only two white guys in the room. Bishop Oedepo comes out with his wife, Faith, and sits on the couch and goes, ha. Ah. Then he points at me and my cousin and says, bring me the two white angels. Sounds like a prison gang. So me, me and my cousin walk over, and I'm not stupid. I didn't come over to shake it. I got in front of him, and I got down on one knee, 
And I made sure I was where his right hand was so that I got the greater blessing than my cousin. Amen. I've read the Bible. So I got down on one knee. He put his right hand on my head, and he said to me, You've already done great, but the blessing you've begun to see is only the beginning. And from today, your finances and your reach will multiply. And then he said, Be blessed in Jesus' name. And that was it. And then he said, now take the things that I taught you and get to work. I said, yes, sir, and left. And I'm telling you, all that discouragement that came was erased within 24 hours. Now, you want to know why that happened? For two reasons. Number one, the Holy Spirit's an encourager. Number two, when I was driving to that meeting, I told my wife what that one preacher had said. But I know this. I could tell you stories all night. I said, but Adalus, one thing I know is, and this is a fact, Anytime somebody's gone out of their way to discourage me, God has always sent somebody within 48 hours to encourage me. Everybody say, you get what you say. Let me tell you one more. I was in, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts preaching. And the pastor that I worked for as a youth pastor when I was 19, I haven't seen him since. And I was driving in Massachusetts, and I felt the Lord bring him back to my remembrance. And the Lord spoke to me. He taught at that Bible college for decades, and he never hears from one student. And so now that he's in his 80s, the enemy tries to discourage him and say, you taught for all those decades, and nobody even remembers that you did anything. You're going to die. Nobody even remember you. So do something about it. So I wrote a check for $2,500. You know, usually that would encourage me. I know they say money doesn't make you happy, but it always made me a little happy. So I wrote a check to him for $2,500. And then I wrote on a card. I wrote, I want you to know your teaching at Bible College has helped me greatly. And as I travel the world preaching the gospel, the reason I've been able to do it is because of the investment you made to me. So I want to give something to you to let you know your work wasn't in vain. His wife left a message on my answering machine. They were both in Croatia preaching. She could barely get through the message crying. Jonathan, you're the first student we've heard from. I've never had anyone give us this much money before. I don't even know why you would do that. But you'll never know how much this means to me and Sam. You sow encouragement, you get encouragement. Can you say amen? And any young person that gets called into the ministry, they're going to have 90 people come and tell them you're making a mistake. You come tell me, I never well, you better get ready. I say, you're going to do great things. God's going to use you mightily. And you felt just sitting here these two hours or so. What is it? 9, uh, 9.25. Been here for two hours and 25 minutes. Now, in this atmosphere, the gift of faith, I don't care how discouraged you came in here, there's not a shred or ounce of discouragement anywhere in this building. God blew it out by the gift of faith. Can you say Amen. God used me to encourage that pastor that's in his 80s. God used Bishop Oyedepo to encourage me. And God brought me here tonight to let you know the devil may have hit you with his best shot. He might have laughed first, but you're going to spend the last seven months of this year laughing in the face of the devil, saying the Lord has done great things. Go ahead and celebrate it all over this place. This lady in the red sweater, step right out into the aisle. Red sweater, white hair, glasses, yep, two arms, ten fingers. 
Lift both your hands right there. Close both eyes. Gift of faith has been firing into you for about 90 straight minutes. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. You'll never be the same. I said you'll never be the same. Now tomorrow, tomorrow you get whatever you want. Tomorrow's breakthrough day. But learn, learn to flow with the Spirit. Um, I need prayer because I'm having a lot. Tonight, God's releasing the gift of faith. Can you say amen? So don't order off the menu. Take what's on the menu. Amen? This guy here in the second row, T-shirt tucked into your pants, gray hair. Come right around. Power of God's all over you. It's you. It's you. Yes, you. Lift both your hands right there. You don't have to come any closer. Close both eyes. Keep your right hand up. Put your left hand where your heart and lungs are. In the neck. There it is. Come right into you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. More. 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 It's going to be the greatest year you've ever had. This lady in the, in the flannel button-up. Come right up. Lift both your hands right there. Keep your right hand up. Put your left hand on your belly. Power of God flows into you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Everything the enemies used to try to wear you out mentally and physically. Receive a refreshing. Now. In Jesus' mighty name. This lady in the black, nice glasses, come right out. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Now, if the Lord wants to minister to you, just try to pretend you're excited like you're winning a washing machine on the Price is Right or something. <laughs> Power of God touches you right now. You'll never be the same. Times of refreshing. You know, when Peter was preaching... Peter said, then times of refreshing, everybody say times of refreshing, will come from the Holy Spirit. Anything that drains you is not the Holy Spirit. And people don't know that. Ministers don't know. Jonathan, I've seen you've been preaching twice a day and then you were in Canada the week before. You must be tired. I have more energy now than when I started the trip. The Holy Spirit refreshes you. I know we have a lot of pastors here. Anything that drains you is not your assignment. That's how you always know how to stay in your assignment. Noon and seven, I could preach nine, noon, five, seven, and 11. Because it's just the anointing. It's not my virtue I'm giving out. If it was, I'd be dead. It's Jesus' virtue and it's limitless. Does a water pipe get tired of dispensing water? Oh man, I've been having water flow through me all day. You just let it go. And then the thing is, as the pipe, you get to taste it before it gets to the people. Lift both hands all over this place. You'll never run dry of the anointing. You'll never run dry of the oil of God. You'll always operate in a fresh, overflowing supply from now till when Jesus comes, whether the devil likes it or not. This nice couple here, row two, step right out. Lift both hands all the way up. Close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God falls on you. In Jesus' mighty name. Done. 
Hallelujah. Victory. Hallelujah. There it is. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Sitting in the black and white stripes, green jacket, separate out. Power of God's been on you too for like 90 minutes plus. Lift both hands all the way up. Close both eyes. Gift of faith. Gift of faith. Most people that teach on spiritual gifts teach that the gift of faith is the best gift. And if you study the, gift of, the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of faith is the only one that's for you. All the other gifts work through you for other people, but the gift, the gift of faith actually is for you. It'll affect things on the outside, but it works in you. Amen. Everything the enemy ever did to discourage your faith, it's already been reversed. Bill! In Jesus' name. This lady with the nice gray tops, come right out. Just to be clear, I don't know whether it's a nice gray top or not. I don't know anything about women's clothes. I'm just trying to be nice. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. Everything the devil did to try to discourage your faith, the Lord reverses it right now. Feel In Jesus' name. This lady here in the jeans, just step right out in that aisle. I'll meet you over there. Yep. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say gift of faith. When you get home, open your Bible to Hebrews 11 and read all the things you can do by the gift of faith. Subdue kingdoms, stop the mouth of lions, quench fire. It's not a bad gift. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Never be the same. My friends from Brazil, come right up to the altar. Stand right here. Lift both hands all the way up. Gift of faith. I was talking to Pastor Daniel at lunch, and this is advice for every minister and everybody that's watching on, uh, online that's a minister. You need to figure out what your flow is when you preach and set your meetings up so you can do your flow. We have a, a questionnaire that we send ahead to churches, new churches. Obviously, like here, I already know what I'm, know your pastor and everything. But it, it make sure, basically, that's not like, please make sure I have bottled water. It's none of that. It's making sure they know what I do, that I'm not going to have you out by 845. Last night was the shortest night of all the meetings, and the crowd went down the next night. So what's the point of running it short? People actually came back when I'd run it to 11 and then didn't come back when I gave them. He's not, he gave me half of what I expected. Amen. So not everything makes sense. You'd think the shortest night the crowd would grow. You know, you have to remember people have school and no, you have to go in your flow. And so a lot of people, they're trying to be somebody else's flow and it's not what God's anointed you to do. So set your meetings up to be your flow. And I make sure people know before I come, you do understand Jonathan's going to preach two hours minimum, and then he's going to do a bunch of stuff after that. So if you want it to go 7 to 8.30, you're booking the wrong speaker. 
You can't put Saul's armor on. If I had to do meetings like that, I'd quit the ministry in, in less than a year. I can't do it. But then if you, if you do your flow, it's like tonight. I started to preach out of Matthew 8. I was going to preach on healing. And zoop, here we are. Somebody say, follow the Holy Ghost. To have a flow, you have to have a flow. So you have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't, know, I don't even know what I'd do if I had to stand up. And now look up, preach like they teach you in Bible college. Look over the tops of everyone's head. And now, as we're here today, and then this last thing, and then before we go our separate way, I couldn't, I couldn't do that, man. People need the power of God. Uh, lady with the blue hair. Step out in the aisle, lift both hands, close both eyes. Now, if you'll listen to the voice of the Lord, God will give you an idea to boost your revenue stream from what your gift is. It's not enough to just have a gift and be good at something. You have to find a way to, to make it produce for you. So, the Lord will show you what it is. The Lord will show you what to do. Father, the same way you did with the dollar sign, where you showed us how to tap into the revenue stream of heaven. Let her do it for a business where she can do what you've gifted her to do and do it full time and have plenty of money. In Jesus' mighty name. Taylor, Taylor. I was not Taylor in the Navy in that denim shirt. What's your name? Oh, Stephanie, sorry. I thought you were somebody from Instagram. It wasn't a word of knowledge. Step right up. Power of God's all over you. Lift both hands, close both eyes. That's it. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Be filled through this. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. I know you thought you were safe sitting back here, but I'm an evangelist and I travel. Amen. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, God's going to use me. Say, God's going to use me greatly. Now start using your mouth like I preach. Say, thank you, God. Doors are coming open right now. In Jesus' mighty name. both your hands. Amen. lady with the uh, black on stand next to the lady with the horizontal stripes that I pray for. I'll meet you in the center. Lift both hands all the way up. Close both eyes. Filled! 
Does that anointing jump from her to you? Receive all of it. More in the name of Jesus Christ. Lift your hands all over this place. Let the gift of faith drop on every person. In Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's it. Receive the gift of faith. Receive the gift of faith. Receive the gift of faith. Be encouraged in your spirit. Be encouraged in your spirit. Receive encouragement by the Holy Ghost to go in and take the land. I normally don't pray for the leadership, but let me pray for Sister Bracken. Sister Bracken, step right up. In Jesus' mighty name. Take two steps forward. Lift both hands. As you do, the fire of God falls on you. As God's begun to open doors for you to speak and minister, it'll be different now. Do your thing. In Jesus' mighty name. with the cross on your shirt. Step around to the aisle. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. Fire God's all over you. In the name of Jesus. This, this lady in row two, here, step right out. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. God says it's over, it's over. Hallelujah. This lady here, I won't even have you come out into the aisle. Right here. You. Lift both your hands right there. Close both eyes. This isn't a robbery. God's going to bless you. Open your heart. Lord, begin to touch you right there. Now to increase. More. 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 In Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands down and look up at me. I was listening to Brother Hagen, and he was telling about a meeting that he did where when he went to cast the devil out, on the way out, the demon went, I hate Oral Roberts, and then left. Oral Roberts wasn't even there. I like the, that, that you can actually terrorize hell so much that somebody tell the devil to come out and say, okay, I'll come out, but before I do, i got to get something off my chest. I hate Oral Roberts. I'm looking forward to somebody calling me from India or Africa, and say, hey, we cast a demon on somebody tonight. And he said, before I go, I goes, I hate Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I hate his long, ugly name and his big nose. Amen. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say this, thank you, Father. I'm not here to be tormented by devils. I'm here to torment devils. And with your hands lifted, just begin to thank the Lord out of your mouth. Take 30 seconds and thank him out of your mouth.
In Jesus' name, everybody said. This lady here that was clapping, lift both your hands. That's the joy of the Lord. Everything you need corrected in your body, I tell you, it's already done right now. No further prayer required. Be filled. That's it. In Jesus' mighty name. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Come on, you're clapping for Jesus. King of kings. Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Is that lady that gave me her cane last night, is she here? Where? Come up. Oh, there you are. Come up. Look at you. I finished preaching, and this lady comes up to me with a holding her cane. I don't know whether I was going to have to fend off a, an attack like Donatello the Ninja Turtle or what. When she came up with it, tell the crowd what you told me last night. I told him he'd give it to somebody that needed it because I didn't need it anymore. I got, I got my back all fixed. God fixed it. She was outside and got prayed for. Came and handed me a cane and said, you can give this to somebody that needs it because I don't need it anymore. Tell everybody what was wrong and then what you felt the Lord do for you last night. Well, I've had pain in my back for years and I've got some discs that needed to be replaced but nobody would do it in where I lived in Michigan because they didn't get paid for it. So I've just dealt with it for all these years, for probably 20 years. But I don't have to deal with it anymore because Jesus took it away and gave me a new back. Thanks for helping me preach. What's your first name? Stand right in front of me. Lift both hands. Give the Lord another great hand clap. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. lady with the purple uh, t-shirt on, lift both your hands right there. You look very healthy to look at you, just like me, but I'm going to tell you the Lord's going to give you a miracle inside your body, in Jesus' mighty name. There it is. There it is. Come right into you right now. Filled! More. 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 More than you can hold. In Jesus' mighty name. There it is. Anyway, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'll break that down to you in simple terms. If you knew that that trumpet was going to sound in 60 seconds, dead in Christ would rise, then those that are alive and remain, that are right with God, would be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's a real event. Bible says, some will be taken, many will be left. Two will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Two will be at the oil slope. 
one that's been witnessing to his buddies come to church. You need to come to church. And they have some snide thing to say. God's going to disappear. And the Bible says, those that are taken, the bride of Christ, will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb, food that's never, nobody even knows anything about. And while we're eating that up there, down here the Antichrist is going to be having a supper, a supper for the people that serve the devil. The Bible says the main course is that people will gnaw on their own tongues, begging for death, but death won't come. It's going to be the worst time that the world's ever known. And God's will is not for you to stay here and go through it. God's will is to send somebody up from Pittsburgh to tell you, get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. Get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Make your reservation for that banquet in heaven sure. You don't, you don't leave this meeting hoping you're right with God. I hope I'm saved. No. God has instruction for you to be saved, know you're saved, and lay your head to the pillow tonight and know that you have peace with God. The Bible says these things are written so you can know that you have life eternal. You don't have to hope you're saved. You, you can know you're saved. So if you're here tonight, I want you to ask yourself a question. Very simple. Can you identify a specific time in your life where you publicly stood at an altar and received Jesus and turned your back on sin? Second question. If you have, since that time, have you stayed living holy? Or have you fallen into the trap that Jesus said multitudes would fall into? That as wickedness abounded, the love of many would grow cold. You're living with somebody you're not married to, drink and get drunk. All the stuff the Bible says, they've relaxed it in American church. But the Bible still says no drunkard will enter the kingdom of heaven. No sexually immoral person will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's any sex outside of marriage. That's not sex in a committed relationship. We've been dating a long time. That ain't it, man. And so there's things they'll excuse in America, but God doesn't excuse them. You can update your Bible app as much as you want and refresh it all you want. It still says you must be holy, even as I am holy. Don't allow, and this isn't just for tonight. This is something you need to take with you for the rest of your life. Don't allow your standard of living to drop to American level. American level will keep dropping, but you have to make up your mind. I'm going to live my life to the standard of the Bible, and I'm not going down. So if you're here, if you're here and you've never done that, or you once did, you've never received Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. It's like why I did that thing in Baton Rouge. That's for sinners. So I'm here for you. Then secondly, if you once did that, VBS, youth group, wherever, but you, you early adulthood, 30s, you fell away from God, and you know you need to come back tonight. I want you to quickly put your hand up high, and we'll pray together. Put your hand up high. Make your decision. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. Who else? Get up here where I can see. Put your hand up high and sure. Do it boldly. Make tonight the night. See your hand. Make tonight the night you get rid of sin forever and come over to the winning side. I see your hands. Who else? Very quickly, everybody that lifted a hand and meant business with God, come forward right now. If you brought a friend and they lifted their hand, you can walk together, but don't stay in your seat. Make a public decision today to come over to the side with Jesus Christ. Amen. Keep clapping. Awesome.
Hallelujah. Anybody else before we pray? Lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to give you the words to say to God, but make them your own words. Say them from the bottom of your heart. God hears this prayer. God reaches down from heaven and takes out your old stony sinful heart and gives you a brand new heart, a heart to serve Him. Say this out loud and unashamed. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me strong. In Jesus' name. Now say this, I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And I will not turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me pray for you. Father, everybody that's at this altar, and particularly I feel to pray for those that when they go home, they're the only ones serving you and their family. I thank you that you give them strength that nobody will pull them down. They'll pull others up. I thank you that none of these will ever go back to their old life. In Jesus' name. Everything that attached itself to them, when they weren't living for you, I thank you it drops off and dies now. And I thank you that you give every one of them new life. In Jesus' name. Put this hand on the side of your neck and put this one on your lower belly. Everything that's in your body that wasn't planted there by God, it's uprooted and comes out now. And then your thyroid kicks back into life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, welcome to the family of God. <laughs> How did that taste, devil? Before you go with my friend here, he's going to help you out. Just lift your hands here at the altar, and then every person in your seats lift your hands. We talked enough about binding and cursing. Now it's time to loose. Father, this King's Chapel and all the King's Chapels represented here, even those watching in Hawaii, what you've done for my wife and I, I loose that acceleration by the Holy Spirit into every ministry and minister represented here. The Lord spoke to me at the end of 2016 and said, if you do what I tell you to do, I'll give you more souls in 2017 than you had in the 14 years leading up to now. And I wasn't dragging my feet those 14 years. That's when we did those seven crusades, and we had more people saved in 2017 than all the years before. And so that kind of stuff sounds impossible, but 
God has a plan. I mean, Jesus is coming soon. And the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grain, him that sows seed. Father, the same grace you gave a Dallas and I and our, our ministry to run like that, I loose it into this house. I loose it into every house connected with this house in Alaska. They'd be like souls would roll in, influential people roll in. People have to ask themselves, where'd they come from? Who invited them? We don't know. It'd be just supernatural growth, supernatural finances, supernatural everything. Father, as you've had me teach and preach and labor in the Word on the flow of the Spirit, let, let us operate in that supernatural flow that what would normally take 30 years would be done in three months. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Welcome to the family of God. I want you to follow this nice, great pastor. He's going to help you out, give you something from the church, and they're going to give you a hand clap as you follow him down the center aisle. Well, come on, give Jesus one more wonderful hand clap. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, instead of me saying it, you say it. Say, I'm blessed. Say, what God is blessed, nobody can curse. When I preached in California and those witches were standing in the back going like this, I told them, bring them some bottled water because they're going to wear themselves out. Can't hurt me. Too late for that. I settled that in 1984 when I got saved at four years old. Say, I'm on the winning side. I want to have you say what the Bible says. Say, my life is hid with Christ in God. Say, even if the devil wanted to hurt me, he doesn't know where I'm at. My life's hid with Christ in God. Now lift your hands and just begin to thank God out of your mouth. This is going to be the best year you've ever had. Going to be the best year you've ever had. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Well, you can be comfortably seated. I'll have Pastor Daniel give you a proper benediction in just a second. We're going to receive the second offering of the night. First one's for the church. This one's for our ministry. You saw that Baton Rouge crusade. You know what I'm about. You know, we purchased a television station last June, so it's almost a year old. And we're in 14 million homes. And then when the Lord's in something, everything's easy. 10 a.m., we broadcast on the East Coast, which is prime time in India. And a station called Limitless Television picked up our live feed and put us in 14 million more homes in India. And then we have more, uh, we're, um, we're getting ready. I, the Lord told me, I'll tell you one story before we take the offering. The Lord spoke to me during the 21 days of prayer and fasting this year. If you do what I tell you, I'll give you a plan to win one member of every family on planet earth to the Lord. Now, I've, I've traveled. The earth is a big place. Alaska is a big place. I mean, you think about it, if your whole goal was to reach Alaska for Jesus, that, that's, a, that's a massive goal. And so when the Lord said that, I spoke it, but then you get over into your carnal mind and start thinking, I don't know, man, that sounds insane. 
And then I went to go preach in India. I was staying at the JW Marriott in Bangalore. And I went to breakfast in the morning. I was wearing regular clothes. I was wearing like an Adidas tracksuit. And I went down for breakfast. And the lady said, are you a preacher? Or she said, you're a preacher, aren't you? So I just thought she saw the guys that I checked into the hotel with and knew them. I said, "Uh, I am. Did you see the people I checked in with? She said, no, I wasn't here last night. I said, how do you know I'm a preacher? She said, I've been watching you on YouTube for a year. I said, are you a Christian? I mean, I felt like I was in one of those cheesy witnessing videos from the 80s. Because I said, I said, are you a Christian? She said, no, but I would like to be. I said, I can help you with that. I said, take my hand, and I led her to the Lord. Then she told the other employees that were working there that that guy's a preacher. I watch him on YouTube. He knows about God. I led uh, four of those servers to the Lord. One of them came to church on Sunday to come hear me preach and got work off. And when I went to leave the hotel in India, this is India. What would that be? Like 22 hours of flying from Alaska. And these people were watching me, watching my videos. When I went to leave at breakfast, when I had my last breakfast, the servers all brought me out a cake, a chocolate cake, and an icing it said, thank you, Jonathan, for blessing us. I was like, I felt like I was in like a dream world. And I felt the Lord speak to me because I had changed it to one, one member of every family in America. And I felt the Lord speak to me, no, you had it right the first time. If you do what I tell you with YouTube, Facebook, television, and every other platform I'll put you on, I'll use you to get the gospel and win one member of every family to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going I'm to do that. So if you want, would like to give in the offering, there is no way that you can use your money to partner with that and God not extravagantly bless you back. Because the way it works is not you do without so that other people can hear the gospel. That's how I was taught to give in Pentecostal church. Well, we have so much, let's, let's do without some of our money so other people can hear the gospel. But ask the little boy that gave his lunch how that works. He was willing to do that. Okay, these people are hungry. I'll take my lunch and give it so they can eat. But the Bible says everybody ate until full. That includes the boy. And they collected the leftovers, 12 baskets. And the Bible doesn't tell you who got the 12 baskets, but the principle of sowing and reaping would let you know that that boy that thought he was giving up his meal so other people could be blessed ended up with too much bread and fish for one boy to carry. Because even if the baskets were like the size of Burger King bags, nobody can carry 12 baskets of anything. Can you say amen? If they're full, I mean, you can stack them if they're empty. So when you take what you have and use it to bless the multitude, God takes what's enough for you and makes it more than one person can ever use. And that's what an offering is. It's an opportunity to take what's just enough, what isn't enough, what's kind of enough, and make it an overflowing more than enough surplus in Jesus' name. So I'll just say thank you for what you give, but give big. And let's make the devil go on heart medication before Thanksgiving time. Can you say amen?